Actually, you be getting loud. Oh, I be trying. All right, between you and me. Between you and me. So, uh, we going to kick off this next podcast. I don't quite have a name for it yet, so hopefully by the end we'll have one. But I'm going to call it Current Events. Why We Gotta Die. Oh, wow. <laughs> Current Events. I don't know exactly what we're talking about. I have an idea, but okay. I don't know exactly where you go, where we're going with it. I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm just, I'm interested in having a little bit of dialogue. Um Dialogue. I mean, we have loose dialogue around this. Uh, I guess sometimes, but uh, I'm I'm, I'm bringing a historical perspective, and then I, I really want to have a, a, a kind of dialogue with my son about um, the state of the black. Country. Yeah, the state of the country, state of Black America right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several things that's been happening in the news over the past couple of weeks. The most recent, um, I guess, the most recent high, high profile is the one that happened in Minnesota. Where we had George Floyd, right, yeah. right, all right. So, um, you know, George Floyd um, was arrested for allegedly, and never made it to trial. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's that's. I guess that's the biggest thing. Um, and then we have, I guess, Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor, who was not arrested, but never made it out of the bed. So she, you know, um, never got her day. Um, and and she wasn't even I guess on the list, but something happened to her. All right. right. Um, then we have I guess the one of the, the the other big high profile things was Ahmaud Arbery, right? Um, which which is close to home for me because I mean it's a young 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 man young man, and and you're a young man, and so I think this is this may be um, the real impetus for for wanting to have this conversation with you. And I'm I'm gonna start back, and I, when I say historical, I don't mean historical from um, a black historical perspective, but I mean historical as far as we're concerned from, from a family's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a couple things. I mean, historical, I, I shared with you an article um, last week, and, and I wouldn't, when, I, when I shared this article with you, I wouldn't even um, anticipating talking about this, but I shared an article with you last week about something that happened to me when I was in college, and it could have oh, ended yeah. up the same. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? And um, just, just for the listeners, um, me and and one of my fraternity brothers, we were actually on our way to a camp, a a boys camp. We were volunteering um, at a boys camp for a week. And on our way to the camp, um, we basically, we we, we, um, got caught up. We got caught up. We were were, were riding on the back roads um, in the country. I won't even say what state we were in or what city, but we were in the country and uh, we went to go around a truck, and we went to we went to go around a truck just in, in the um, road. The driver of the truck, that just so happened to be a, a a a Caucasian man, pulled a gun on us and pointed the gun at us as we were going around him riding down the road, which was you know kind of strange. And then we sped up. Well, I sped up because I was driving. Sped up and was going so fast that I kind of shot past the camp where we were going, because, I mean, at that point, we were just simply trying to get to the camp because if nothing else, we knew we got to the camp, we'll be all right because we had reinforcement. And we, we, we actually missed missed the road for the camp, but it just so happens not too much further down the road, there was a police car sitting in a yard. And so my thought was, well, if we stop right at a police car, then we won't have anything to worry about. Right. Um, so we pulled up, uh, pulled at where the police car was. Next thing I know, the pickup truck, slams on brake right beside us. The guy jumps out the car, runs up to us in the car um, with the gun pointed. And 
I remember vividly, he said, don't y'all know y'all get killed on the side of the river, right? And that was in total shock. Because, I mean, I've, I've, I've witnessed um, racism in the past, uh, but I, I'd never, uh, and I'd seen guns before, but I'd never had a, you know, somebody pull a gun on me um, and relate it to my race. And then also, not only pull a gun on me and relate it to my race, but right at the police, you know, right where the police were. Um, and so, to make a long story short, the guy actually ended up being the, the cop who lived at the house where we just so happened to stop. And so he he pulled us out um, with his gun and took us up to the, in the yard, and he asked for our um, my driver's license. And when he asked for my driver's license, he gave me the driver's license, and um, he ran it, found nothing, and he said, all right, y'all can go. All right, cool, man. Well, you know, I'm, I'm shaking, but he was like, I right, ain't fine, now y'all can go. We left and um, went to the camp. Got to the camp, let the people know at the camp that um, what had happened. And so the very next morning, they took us down to the police station or to the sheriff's department or wherever, and um, because we were going to file a complaint. And so the sheriff came out, and the sheriff asked asked for me, and I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm he, I'm Clarence Brown. And he says, um, so what are your intentions? And I said, well, my intentions are to file charges. And he says, well, you're under arrest. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, 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 that, that's, I was lucky. You know what I'm saying? I was lucky. But it reminds me of, um, I guess, how, how, how blessed and lucky I am, but how there are other people that kind of end up in the same situation that it doesn't fare so well. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, I don't know, I can't say it's getting worse. Uh, I can't say it's getting worse. It just seems to be getting worse. Right. It just seems to be getting worse. Cause just because there's the ability to see it and it's becoming such a common thing to be put out now. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Social media and all that kind of thing. So that that's that's my back that's my history on it. But then I want to talk to you um about um when we did your ROP thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um we did your ROP thirteen and and we did a on the road. Um it was on the road segment. I think no, it wasn't on the road. It wasn't on the road. It was um, oh man, I don't remember what that segment was. We went to Atlantic City. You remember the trip to Atlantic yeah, City? I remember that. All right. Yeah. Um, and and do you do you remember what happened when we went to Atlantic City? Um, I do remember it, not completely vividly because I was almost unaware at the time uh-huh. of what exactly was going on. I realized more so what happened after the fact, but I still remember what happened. Okay. I'm not enough to really tell the story. Okay. I wouldn't say. So, but well, I mean, I guess I could try. Yeah. I could kind of talk about the story. So we were on the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. On the boardwalk. On the boardwalk in Atlantic City, and I was looking for shades. I remember I was looking for shades. Always so looking we were, for shades we were, for some reason. Whatever. Cool mo D. <laughs> so we was looking for shades, and so we were walking around at different shops, and we stopped at this one shop. I think because there was some kind of sale. Something like that. So I was looking at the shades at the shop. This is where it's kind of fuzzy. Uh-huh. But I remember the woman. Well, I sat down because I sat down because it was mm-hmm. some, some some seats right right beside where the shop was at the table. Yep, yep. So I was up there looking at shades, trying shades on, and I just remember the woman walking up to me. Um, she owned the shop, and she just started trying to take the shades away from me. That's about. As right. vivid as the memory. That's gets cool. Because now, 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 so so to be fair, you. That's kind of when you stepped in. Yeah, right, you were twelve at the time, right. and you, it was coming up to your thirteenth birthday, 
And so um, what happened, what I saw, because I, I, I sat down and I was allowing you to, to try on these shades. Mm -hmm. And so the woman came up to you and snatched the shades and said you were trying to steal them. And that's when I jumped into action, which is probably why you don't remember so well. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. I mean, you know, hold your horses. Um, he's not trying to steal anything. Yes, he is. I see him trying to steal. I'm like, man, I'm sitting right here. Why would I allow him to steal something? And then it was either some, uh, some, even some other people there that came to your aid to explain to the woman that you weren't trying to steal anything. And we, we ended up leaving. But it just so happened, I cannot remember for the life of me what the lesson was that we were working on that particular day. But it has something to do. It's the law. That's what it was. Right. It's the law. It's the law. And so um, what we were trying to show you for it's the law was that once you got to the age of around 13, it's almost like the age of accountability. Right. And so the things that people forgive you for or forgave you for when you were a little boy. It's different. You're, it's, not, it's, you're it's not little different. anymore. You're not little anymore. So. And so it was almost perfect that it happened. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad that it happened because it's an incubated environment. Right. And that you were able to be there I was and able be, to be a part there. of it and take care of the process. Right, right. But I could still experience it for myself. You could still experience it for yourself. But it, it was an opportunity for you to see how people saw you. Right. Because you knew you were you knew you were innocent in what you were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you never even thought I me, mean, I don't think you were thinking about stealing anything. Right. Um and you don't really at that age and even just in the way that I grew up, I didn't really have the concept to think about people looking at my intentions, not purely for my intentions, were um, kind of putting intentions in their head for me. Right. And yeah. so I never really had an experience that drastic, um, cut and dry with it. And so I also think it was a good experience for me to have at that age, especially talking about a coming of age process that I'm going through. Right. Starting to really find out who I am in society, and I'm becoming my own person in the world. And so I think it was definitely a really powerful moment of noticing things were a little different than I'd been used to. Right. And so on the backdrop of everything that we just talked about, that's, where I, that's why I am um, interested in at least discussing for a little bit um, what you might think about what's going on um, with – I'm, and I'm, I don't want to call it open season because I, I I don't want to be that drastic in mindset, mm -hmm. but just because because I know your mom and I we are always concerned, especially when you're off at college or when you you know even when you're home but you're gone in the car or whatever you know it's like you know or we're in the car with you and we like hey make sure you don't do this <laughs> you know make sure you don't do that and so um, we always want you to arrive alive you know what I'm saying. Always wants to arrive alive. And I remember um, it seems like there was one season where all you had to worry about was nobody, you know, not drinking and driving. And now it's right. not even about drinking and driving. It's about sitting in your car <laughs> um, and, and, getting, and getting pulled out of your car. Um, and uh, just anything can happen. An anything can happen. And so does it make you, I mean, and I know you're not, you, you, you're not really involved in, what's going on, but does it make you apprehensive at all about um, your mindset when it comes to being out by yourself or out with a group of guys? So I, I wouldn't say it makes me apprehensive. I think it makes me more aware than apprehensive. I, I know things like the situation and on the boardwalk and just other things that have happened in my life allowed me to be open to kind of or 
I kind of developed a life's not fair mentality mm-hmm. almost, which it sounds intense, but it's like things don't always go your way. People don't always have the right intentions for you or care about your well-being. And so it's not a negative, oh, my life's not fair, I'm a pout kind of mentality, but a mentality of being aware of the possibility of it happening. And so I'm not so much surprised by it if Mm -hmm. it happens, Mm -hmm. but it also keeps me from being nervous about it happening it's I, I guess it's almost like i likened it to a part of life for myself because of who i am as a black man mm-hmm. and just the, the state of the country and things like that so I, I would say when i'm going out i'm never nervous per se but i definitely pay attention to where i am or the things that i do in certain places and how I act in public, just because I know there's always an eye on me okay. for who I am. Okay. Um, which I think is important to have. Um, but I've never really been nervous, I would say. So, so let me ask you a question. So, I mean, I, I get it that you're not nervous. And I imagine that a lot of um, <laughs> people who are getting caught up aren't nervous either. Is there anything that me being your father can do to prepare you not I guess prepare you more because you're prepared, but to help you even as you grow older or even if you're not even thinking about yourself and you think, okay, well, maybe I'm set. Is there anything, because you know I work with youth all the time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that I've said or done with you uh, that I could share or I could even improve upon as I share with others to make sure that um, I guess when when something happens, because I think one of the most important things is to keep is be level headed, right? right? Um, when you're level headed, uh, you, you fare a little better than if you get agitated. And the game is al- almost always like, let me get you agitated, because once you get agitated, right. then I, in, uh, it makes room for something to happen. Right. I would say because it's it's there's nothing to really prepare you specifically emotionally for that moment for that specific situation, but it comes down to small things day to day, um, just preparing kind of emotionally. It's funny because I'm always doing some side research on things like that, but I've been looking at dogs lately, Mm. not to get a dog. I don't don't know why I'm allergic (laughs) to dogs, but I just always find myself in different parts of the internet just doing research. And so I was looking at, like big dogs, like guard dogs. I've been looking at Rottweilers mm-hmm. and just talking about how you socialize your Rottweiler and you train your dogs. And they do things like small things, like when you feed your Rottweiler and you take the food away sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so so they're not so protective over it. Okay. And so just in that same vein of, there's nothing that just sets you up emotionally, be prepared for these situations that could come out of nowhere, but just small things like having conversations okay. or small things. I mean, I even liken it to like um, how you don't let me win things. <laughs> you didn't let me win things all the time when I was a kid and just things like that, just things to make you mentally and emotionally tougher. And when you, knowing that's myself being a black man and if I'm looking to raise a black man, knowing that there's, kind of that target on your back, that life isn't going to always be in your favor and be fair for you. Mm -hmm. You have to 
take your time to go out of your way to prepare, um, I would guess, your son or this person that you're talking to to not have a feeling like everything just happens. Fairly. Right, fairly. Yeah. Like, it's not always fair. You don't always win. Things will always go your way. And so when you're caught up in a situation where something doesn't seem, that something seems out of the ordinary or someone isn't listening to what you're saying truly and things like that, that you're not as frazzled or you're not as thrown off because you're you're used to, I guess, a certain level of confrontation mm-hmm. or conversation, mm-hmm. things like that, or just how you prepare yourself emotionally. I would say... Do you you should have conversations about like if you're pulled over, putting your hands on the dashboard, you're yes, sir, you're no, yeah, sir, yes, def- ma'am, no, def- ma'am. So just being having manners, being mannerable, um, and how you have those conversations, then um, that, that's, that's how you prepare yourself in other ways. That's two things that I'm that you said that I'm, I'm, I'm actually gonna talk about. The first one I'll say is um, being agitated. And so I've agitated you a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, your whole life I've agitated you. And I've done it for a reason. I've done it because everything we've done for you, we've done intentionally. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure I hazed you. I mean, I hazed mm-hmm. you, you know, from, I mean, <laughs> from the time, you know, again, I said from the time you was two years old, even when we talk about the get out date, yeah, you got to get out the house. Bumping into people. Yeah, bump, bumping, bumping, just, you know, always. And the one thing I could say about that for you, and it's to your benefit, to my detriment, is that it keeps you even killed. And so, like, mm-hmm. it's like even now when I want to move you off your mark, you know what I'm saying? I want to get you in a huff or I want to get you, you know, agitated. You don't. But it's because you've been accustomed to living that life for so long. And that's good. That's an attribute because uh, it does allow for people to try to push your buttons and not be able to find your buttons. Mm-hmm. And so that that serves you well as a defense mechanism. The other thing that I want to talk to you about is what you said about, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. That's one thing that your mom and I always stressed. It was like, I don't care. And it was almost, it was bad because when you went to school, your teacher would be like, well, I don't want you calling me ma'am, you know, or whatever. And it's like, but that's what we tell him to do, you know. And I know when, when we're not around, you do it. But like I told you, you know, but don't let me walk up on you and right. you're not saying it. And, you know, people, I mean, there are so many different schools of thoughts out there. And, and, you know, whatever you want to do with your kids, that's fine. But for me and my house, that was one thing that I say shows a sign of respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am to people that are younger than me. Right. Because right. I think it's a sign of respect. And I think that when you respect people and you show them that you respect them, it opens up a level of dialogue that does not exist otherwise. Right. And I'm, uh, yeah. no, go ahead. I'll go ahead. finish. Go ahead. I was going to say, especially in situations such as those, when you have somebody trying to escalate a situation, mm-hmm. your whole job, the, your whole goal is to de-escalate in any way possible. So things like having manners and controlling your own emotions. It's almost like a two-step to it. The only way to de-escalate a problem is to first not let the, not escalate in yourself, not right. let your emotions become out of control. So first you have to control yourself, then you worry about doing what is necessary to control the situation, what keeps things from escalating. Don't give in to that, or what can I do so that they, they don't feel any pressure whatsoever. Things like that are things that you have to focus on. And so... I guess it's almost like the two steps of that. Control right. yourself and worry about the situation. That, that, that's good. I didn't, I wouldn't put those together. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'll tell you, like, in my day, like, I, by the time I was 24, 24, I'll say, 
I've I'd been stopped by so many cops, like <laughs> like just stopped by so many cops. I mean, I remember I got stopped like three times in one day, right? Mm -hmm. But I was a master of, and I attribute this to my mom, and my dad, and they're um, you know prepping me for yes ma'am and no ma'am. When a cop stopped me, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, I was wrong, sir, yes sir. I learned early that you know what, when you do that, you more often than not, it didn't always get me out of tickets because I had a bunch of them too. <laughs> but yeah. more often than not, it got me out of tickets because. I humbled myself. Right. Right? A lot of and, times these people just want to see respect. That's it. They want to see respect. And guess what? If you craving respect, bro, I got it for you. Because mm -hmm. you know what? Nine times out of ten, you got me at least in the half wrong. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so the goal at the end of the day is to get out of it. It's, it's funny. I wrote this blog years ago, and it was like dead right or dead wrong. Who cares? In both right. cases, you end up dead. And so that's the thing. I think um, nowadays uh, it's to the detriment of people who want to be dead right. And it's like it's not it's not a matter of being dead, right? It's about actually getting to a place where I can get out of the situation right now, regroup, and then handle it in another, you know, at another time. Now mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say that um, Aubrey, you know, ha had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I'm not saying that. And you in know, a situation like this, usually it's out of their, it's out of your control. Out of There's control. not much that you can do, right? But it's just when you're in that place. What can I do? What can I do? And that's that, that's what, that's is. that's really what I want to bring out of this. It's like you know, I mean, at, at this time of I guess open season or this time where where racial tension is high, mm -hmm. at this time where um, you know post police brutality or you know police are shooting people, um, or when you got you know the novel citizen that's mm -hmm. shooting people, or you get I mean, it's just so many things that we could talk about. I read something today about a youth pastor blamed um, two black men for holding them hostage in a hotel because he mm -hmm. didn't want people to know why he was at the hotel, or the lady who killed right. her, who, who drowned her son, who blamed it on two African-American men. It's like it's open season. And so our goal should be not necessarily to cower to anybody, but to be level-headed enough to figure out a strategy to get us out alive. Right. And then regroup. So, um, I, you got anything else you want to add to that? Um, I don't. I don't have anything in particular. Okay. I would. I would really say, it really comes down to in situations where you don't have all the control. How can you take some of that control? How can you make the situation better and kind of shift the direction it's going? And it's by, I guess, it's by putting your ego aside. Yeah. It's better to. I'm just trying to de-escalate this situation. It's not about how I feel emotionally or what I think about the person or the situation. Not that I think it's wrong. Um, it's really about what do I need to do to make sure that I go live another day. There it is, um, man. Because we got a long life to live. Yeah, maybe I'll make an impact later because of my life, uh, but that won't be made if I can't or if I don't do what it takes to get out of the situation now. There you go. All right, between you and me, bro. Between you and me. Hey. Talk to you later. Holla. Holla.